Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. We're going to start a new series today for the for the month of January. That's going to, so it'll go in the next couple of weeks. And the title of the series is Stop the Bleeding. Now, that can go a whole bunch of different ways, but you'll understand how it applies here in just a few minutes. But um, with us going into a new year, we often talk about and think about all the goals and things that we want to set for ourselves, right? And for some people, these goals are things that they're going to do for a couple of weeks and then never touch again, right? Any of those people in the house? Yeah, that was me when I was, you know, many years ago trying to make, um, you know, resolutions and plans and goals for the new year and all that stuff. I would I would say I'm going to do it. And then, you know, two weeks in as tired or didn't get up one morning or whatever and kind of let the goals just go right out the window. But um, as as I've kind of grown a little bit in um, in my commitment towards those goals and those things and as a believer, some things began to change. But before they changed, I got really cynical. Now, I don't know if anybody in the room is like this with um, is, is like me with this, but I got really cynical of the new year. You know, I wasn't keeping my own my own, you know, uh, New Year's resolution. So I kind of rolled my eyes when everybody would be like, hey, it's time to make New Year's resolutions again. I'm like, I didn't do it. Y'all didn't do it. We're just doing this for no reason. You know what I mean? Like it was pointless. And then, you know, people were talking about, well, I, I'm ready for a new season. And I'd be like, and they'd sing, you know, Israel Houghton, it's a new season. You know, they'd sing all that. And then every year I'd do the same thing, always like, you know, right at the first year of the year, the first Sunday of the year or whatever. And I just roll my eyes and be like, this is just dumb. And I kind of, I'm like, oh, I'm over it. You know, this season's thing is just, you know, something, you know, you know, strange Christian people do to try to make themselves, you know, feel good about a certain time of year. And, and so then I remembered um, in the middle of my, you know, eye rolling, I guess, arrogance. And I'll teach you a lesson from my own failure here. I remembered Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. I'm going to read this out loud for us and look what he, look the very first thing. I'm tired of people talking about new seasons and stuff. First thing in Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season, everything, not some things or a few things, but everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear down and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Even when I went and looked in the book of Genesis, right after Noah steps off the ark with all the animals and his family, God says, I'm the one who set the seasons in order, spring, harvest, fall, winter, summer, night, day. I'm the one who set these things here. And so even though I got annoyed at the cultural, um, the normalcy of it and the, and the cultural idea of these new seasons and these things, even though I was annoyed at that, I had to take that belief and that irritation and come to the scripture. I had to go to God in prayer 
recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit and go to his word and go, my jaded opinion about how dumb or worthless or, or stupid this whole thing is about setting these new goals and New Year's and all this kind of stuff and talk about new seasons. My jaded opinion is about this deep. And when I bring my opinion to the word and there's a contradiction, it doesn't mean I find a way to ignore the scripture or make the scripture say what I want it to say. I have to bend my will to him. That's the definition of submission. So if you're somebody who's like me, who's like, when you talk about the new year and, you know, new seasons and new goals and stuff, and you kind of roll your eyes, you know, because I did forever. And, I, and you're like, I don't even want to talk about all that new stuff anymore. If that's you, I just want to encourage you, just take a step back and realize that this is not some churchy thing that it appears to be. It's these new times, new seasons, the calendar rolling over, new times of year, the beginning of the year and the end of another one. These are actually gifts from God. They are gifts to us to help us let some things go in the past, not be stuck in a perpetual cycle and take a moment to say, you know what, I'm going to post a flag in the ground here and I'm going to look ahead to what's coming. Um, as, we, uh, as we set goals, all of us in here are old enough to know that a goal without a plan is just a wish. Everybody heard that before? That's not scripture. That's just some good wisdom from, you know, some people who have lived a little bit longer than us. A goal without a plan is just a, a wish. And so we see a lot of people sometimes setting out goals and things like that, but they don't put a plan in place. And so the next, if you've got a goal that's great, a resolution for the year is something you want to do or accomplish or feel like God's put on your heart, the next step is to put a plan in place or almost look at it like this, like the ingredients of a recipe. Do I have the ingredients to make this new thing be produced in my life after a certain amount of time? What are the ingredients to make it work? You know, we're talking about seasons. Um, my favorite holiday season is the Christmas and Thanksgiving season, the end of the year. Anybody else? Your favorite time of the year? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I like the, the food and the family and the laughing. I like my niece and nephew sitting on the couch and holding their, their gift over their head. Yeah! like Troy did, you know, last week, and uh, when we got him his shoes, and, um, and when, uh, you know, we're handing out gifts, and the big smiles on the faces, and people hugging each other, and talking about how much they love and care for one another, I love that time, it's the best, best time for me, that's a, it's my favorite season, but if I'm honest, I am happy when that season comes to an end for one reason, and the reason that I'm happy that the season comes to an end is because when I was in corporate America, they always wanted to do potlucks. They always wanted people, especially around the holidays, to bring in food from their house and share it with everybody. And they'd have this big old potluck. And for some reason, around Christmas, they had like four of them. I do not participate in potlucks with people outside of this room or my extended family. I do not eat the food. Why? Because those people bringing food, I don't know them. I sit across a cubicle from them, you know, and that some, for some of them, that's enough that I need to know. Then, no, bro, I ain't ever eaten anything you bring in his office. I see how you be walking in there every day, right? But I don't know what your recipe is. I don't know if your ingredients are expired. 
You know what I mean? I don't know if you didn't have buttermilk and so you found the weak old milk that was all clumpy and used that instead in your recipe. I don't know if you like got demonic cats that are crawling all over your, you know, your, your ingredients and your countertops. And if you want to know which cats are demonic, it's all of them. It's all of them. You don't have to wonder. They're just all full of the devil. That's not in here, but I, I'm, it's just great wisdom for you. I don't know if your gauge on if the recipe and the batter for your cake mix was good is if you let the cat lick the spoon and then you're like, if he likes it, then everybody will like it. I don't know if there's cat hair in the, in the brownies. I don't know that. I don't know if your secret ingredient is to dip your big toe in the mixture. You know what I mean? And, just, and that adds just the perfect amount of salt or whatever it is. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and some of y'all are like, bro, that don't happen. Have you seen the video of the guy who takes the... the the strainer or the colander, if you're a colander person, um, or the strainer, and he puts it in his toilet and then pours the spaghetti and strains the spaghetti into the toilet while the colander's sitting on the toilet seat. Yeah, y'all eat the boo-boo spaghetti. I don't want that. <clears throat> I don't want that. I don't know, y'all. The people at my job used to make fun of me because they're like, it's it's uh it's um it's potluck time, you know, like we're all gonna have a potluck and Matt would show up with a pizza from Barrows from across the street, <clears throat> and that's all Matt would eat. You know what I mean? Um and so they were like, Why don't you try more food? I said, I'm just I'm I'm my taste buds are just burnt out. Like, you know, I'm just a I'm a bland piece of toast from the south. I don't like anything, right? So um and those of you guys here be like I didn't see that video, and even if it was, it may not be real. Well, let me tell you a story of something I saw firsthand, and Teresa's really excited about this, so it's done. <clears throat> I saw it firsthand. So I went to a cookout with um, some extended family, okay? It's not my immediate family or anybody you would know, so don't try to pick apart who is it, because I know who he's related to. Some extended family, and I was there, and if you know anything about barbecue, I'm a barbecue dude. Like, I'm, I'm a Yelp reviewer, like, for barbecue. Like, I need, a, like, a YouTube channel for barbecue. That would, I'd be in heaven. So, um, but I, I went to this barbecue, and Polynesians have this special way that they marinate their chicken before they grill it. And I don't know if you've ever had that or if you've had it here when Nina's brother-in-law made it or whatever, but, man, it is awesome. And so, but you got to get the mix just right. And so what they do is they pull out a cooler, and the night before or several hours before they're going to grill it up, they're putting soy sauce and ginger and onions and brown sugar and, and soda. Like, I don't get that one. But somehow they have this concoction. I just thought they went to the cabinet and just threw everything in there they saw. But it was like specific. And then they grill it all up and it was awesome. So I was a little excited about coming to the cookout with the chicken. The only problem was that they pulled out the, the cooler with the chicken. And the guy started getting the grill ready, and he reached in with his hand and then put it on the grill. And I was like, you know, that's not awesome. But it's cooking it off. You know what I mean? Like, he's washed his hands before he went out there, got a little piece of grass on it or whatever. That's, that's barbecue out in the backyard. I'm okay with it. What I wasn't okay with was after he got the first round of chicken on there, he decided I wanted to see if the chicken was cooked all the way through. So he took a knife and he cut it open to see if it was cooked. You know, no one's getting salmonella. I appreciate that. The only problem was he wasn't paying attention to how he was cutting the chicken and he cut his finger. Now he didn't cut it off, but he did, it wasn't a little scratch either. 
Like it was enough cut deep enough to where I saw him go ouch and go like this and the blood start to run and drop off his finger. Now let's pause the story right here. Common sense with everybody in this room would be call somebody over to the grill, man the chicken while I'm away. I'm going to go to the bathroom, wash it off, maybe put a little peroxide on there, clean it up, band-aid, maybe some gauze, put a glove on, and just be careful as I go out and cook. Right? That would make sense. That did not happen. Unpause the story. He looks at his hand, and it's, he's going ah, like this, and there's just blood flinging all over here on the ground. And I saw him make a decision. He goes, and his hand went right back into the marinade mix, blood and all. And he kind of like washed it off for a second and then picked up another piece of chicken, threw it on the grill, and he grilled the rest of the chicken with his bloody stump, I mean his finger, like just like bleeding into the mix. Now, I know that there's some teenage or 20-year-old college-age boy who'd be like, I'll eat it. But the rest of us who are like fully developed humans, you know, we, we like our brains are fully like developed. We will look at that and go, I'm not, no, 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 no. I'm not even touching it, much less putting it in my mouth, right? He was bleeding and it was gross. And I went and told Nina and she's like, shut up. I'm like, look at him. And he's like going like this and picking it in there. She's like, that's gross. And so did I tell everybody? No, I told the people I knew. <laughs> Don't eat the food. And then I prayed for everyone else. Like, God, please don't let these people get sick because they've grilled with him before. How many other times have he, has he done this? You know what I mean? So I told the people I knew and the rest of them I just prayed for. <clears throat> so you might be going, Matt, this is not the picture I wanted to start 2023 with. Bleeding in the chicken and in the marinade and you're talking about toilet straining, you know, all this stuff. You're talking about the, the dipping your toe in the recipe and all this kind of stuff. This is nasty. How in the world does this work? Well, how is this even uh, remotely applicable to what you're telling me? Because there's some of us who have looked at the steps or the recipe to accomplish something other people have used and we thought we followed it to a T but what we didn't realize when it didn't work we got frustrated how come that formula works for somebody else how come that recipe of ingredients produces something else what you didn't realize was is you were bleeding in the mix you didn't realize that even though you were following the steps that everybody else was following, you didn't realize that the wound that you carried in your own life has been leaking into everything you've been doing and it's been throwing it off and the end result that's produced is never what you want. You're contaminating the ingredients because you're bleeding in the mix. There's a, a lot of people who go, I did the exact same thing as that guy for, to, to fix his marriage and it didn't work for me. 
I did the exact same thing as that person did to, to up the level on their finances and it didn't work for me. I did the exact same thing that that book told me to do when parenting and it didn't work for me. And the thing that you're not realizing is, is you thought all the ingredients were exactly the same, except you were bleeding in the mix. You've carried a wound for a long time that's adding things to what you're trying to do. And when they don't turn out, you get confused and go, well, that, it, it just doesn't work. I don't know why. And you default back to living a way that you didn't want to stay in in the first place. If I took that plate of nasty <coughs> finger blood chicken and slid it across the table, if you brought that to me and I didn't see any of that stuff that I saw and I just saw the chicken, and I go, and you go, man, there's blood in that. Don't eat it. I go, but they use the exact amount of garlic. <laughs> but I saw the measure of the soy sauce. I saw that they didn't even use the bad ingredients. They used the good ones. All the ingredients, all those things are in there. I saw them. It was, it was really good. I know, but there was blood in the mix. Even though you measure out and do all the things, all the steps, to accomplish the thing that you've set in front of you to do, even though you're meticulous about trying to follow the steps to accomplish something that God's put in your heart, you may not realize that you're bleeding in the ingredients. And as long as you're bleeding in there, what is produced is not worth consuming. Many of you are looking for the ingredients to help you accomplish things this year. You want to level up in your marriage. You want to level up in your health. You want to level up in your commitment to something, the church, or to work at a food bank, or fill in the blank. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better fill in the blank. But as long as you're bleeding and wounded, what is produced from you is not going to be what you see here or what you want to produce. So, before we make these big grandiose plans and before we put out the steps, if I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to, so that 2023 ends differently than 2022 did in some positive manner, before we do that, there is a real sense that we need to stop and evaluate the wounds that we keep open. I'm not talking about physical wounds. I'm not talking about physical blood. I'm not talking about Matt made biscuits and he cut his finger and put you know blood on top of it. So we got no, I'm not talking about all the physical stuff. What I'm talking about are untreated unseen wounds that are pouring unwanted ingredients into every aspect of your life. <clears throat> Talk about the wound of being betrayed and backstabbed by people you trusted. That's pouring distrust into all your relationships. I'm talking about the wound of being lied to. It's pouring a lack of closeness into your friendships. I'm talking about the wound of disappointment pouring unbelief into your faith in God. I'm talking about the 
the wounds of unmet expectations that has been bruised in a way to make you angry and is pouring bitterness out of you into everything you try to accomplish. The recipe you see as a path to success isn't working because you're bleeding in the midst. There is no real future accomplishment. There is no overcoming where you are right now. There is no climbing the mountain or getting over the hurdle as long as you are bleeding with a wound that you will not let heal. There is no true freedom until we heal from the wounds we've grown accustomed to living with. There is freedom from sin. You're going to go to heaven. But there is a level of freedom that you can experience here now that God gives your life to where you can impact other people and enjoy the life that God has given you in a way that you have not experienced because you insist. You insist on keeping bleeding. I think a few of you may have heard me tell my chiropractor story before, but when I was uh, younger, I uh, didn't want to go to a chiropractor because I heard all the terrible things about it. They only fix you enough to make you come back again. Once you go, you always have to go. You can never stop going. It's not real doctor medicine, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I was having real bad neck pain and headaches. And so um, I had some friends who were going to go to see this guy in the church who was a chiropractor. So I was like, ah, I'll go try it out. You know, I mean, if I still have a headache, then what? You know, I'll still have a headache. So I went there and he gave me his, you know, he gave me his, uh, the entry examination, you know, flexibility, how far could I turn left and right, you know, without, you know, just my head and stuff. And he had me walk across the room. And when I walked across the room, he goes, man, you walk funny. And in my good Christian loving way, I said, bro, shut up. You work, you look, you walk funny. And he goes, no, what I mean is you favor your left side. I was like, dude, I've been, I've been walking ever since, like I was like, what, nine, 10 months old? I don't favor my left side. And I kind of pushed back and he got tired of me pushing back and he goes, just lay down. So I put my face in that little donut thing and laid on the little padded table. And he just didn't even tell me what was coming. You know, some people try to prep you for it, like count the three and then they, no. Whack, 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 he's crunching, turning my head, my shoulders, he's bending me around. I'm hearing all this popping and stuff. And he goes, okay, stand up. And when I stood up, I was like, wow. It was like somebody took a pressure washer and just cleaned off this caked on mud on my head. It was just like my pain went away. You know, it's just like, oh, I could think clearly. And he goes, how do you feel? And I'm like, wow, I feel clear. Like, but I kind of feel crooked. He goes, no, now you're standing straight. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you have grown accustomed to being out of alignment for so long, you think it's normal. There are many of us who have grown accustomed to the anger, bitter, hatred, brokenness that is in us from the wounds that we think it's normal. And God did not leave you alone to operate like that. Unseen wounds sometimes happen in unseen rooms. 
and they show themselves publicly through our skewed perspective, our wrong actions, our terrible attitudes, our words, and our immense lack of true freedom. The reason it got quiet in here is because every single one of you while I'm talking has at least one, if not multiple things that have come to the top of your mind and go in. Yeah, I remember being hurt like that. I remember the relationship went sideways. In my case, I remember the pastor lied. In my case, I remember my dad lived a private, sinful life. And you can sit here and we could go around the room and I could have every single one of you talk about the thing that pierced you like nothing else. And not one of you, if you were honest, would look at me and go, I don't have nothing. No, we all do. Doesn't mean that I'm a great, I have great discernment to understand that. No, if you've been alive long enough, if you've reached teenage years or adulthood, my friends, you got words. And many of us, if not most of us, were never taught how to heal from that wound. Now, before we deal with a wound, let's just pause for a second. And let me tell you, the wound that you sustained is real. I don't want to sit here and dismiss the wound. I don't want to dismiss the story. I don't want to dismiss the pain that it caused you. I get it. And although the wound that you've sustained may not be the same, uh, the wound that I've sustained, my guess is, my guess is that even though the details may be different, the pain is remarkably similar. It comes out of our mouth when we say things like, oh, I'll never fill in the blank again. Know what I mean? I'll never trust somebody that deep again. I'll never open my mouth and be that transparent again. I'll never tell somebody that much about me again. I will never walk in the door of a church like that again. I will never give my heart to that level to anybody again. Because why? I did something I thought was good and I sustained a wound from it. The wound, very, very real. Very real. What I don't want you to hear is me sit here and be like, everybody has them, let's move on. Nope, that's not how that works. We just watched this week a guy on Monday Night Football, his heart stopped. A 24-year-old guy on the football field, his heart stopped on the field, and they resuscitated him. And a week after, he's still in critical condition, and he's got lung damage and stuff because his heart stopped for just a few minutes. Permanent damage happens during injury. And there can be some permanent damage in us from some of the wounds that we've sustained. The first thing I wanted you to do is recognize that whatever happened to you 
Matt, you know what the story is. I don't know what the story is, but I have a very strong hunch that what happened to you was very real. Wounds don't really hurt when you deserve them. They don't hurt near as bad, but every one of us, that thing you're thinking about in the front of your mind right now, it's at the top of your heart. It's probably something you didn't deserve. It happened when you were young. You didn't know any better. You didn't know how to ask for help. It happened because you trusted and you thought the person you trusted was trustworthy and they were far from it. You made sacrifices that no one else saw and somebody else benefited from it. All of that is 100% real. But we as believers are not supposed to create an identity or flawed beliefs off of wounds from other people. Our identity, what we believe, stems straight from the God who never leaves you and never forsakes you. So since all of us have a wound, and many of us have created an identity for ourselves based on that wound. How in the world are we going to go, let's go and conquer the mountain. Let's go right now and run up the, the, the lookout mountain right over here. And you're like, bro, I'm not even going to make it three steps. I'm bleeding. I have a wound here. Right. That explains some of the confusion that you experience because... You don't know why the steps aren't working. You don't know why, even though you're following the recipe to a T that somebody else gave you and you've seen it work in other people, it's not working for you and it's frustrating and you wonder if you're less and you're wondering if God just doesn't like you or maybe he's testing you in some way. I thought all those things. What I didn't realize is I was bleeding. I didn't realize I was favoring my left side. It took somebody outside of me to look at me and go, bro, you're nursing an injury. You just don't know it. So how do we begin the process of healing from these things? Psalms 147, one through three. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How delightful and fitting. The Lord is rebuilding Jerusalem and bringing his exiles back to Israel. That's the context of what he's saying. But the next sentence is a principle that is true for all of us today. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He acknowledges you've been hurt. Your heart has been broken. There has been disappointments that have happened throughout your life. He acknowledges it here with his people. But this principle remains true even to us today. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. He will do that. If we were to go right now to the emergency room and 
we would see someone who, God forbid, they got stabbed in the leg. And they have like a big wound on their leg, right? <clears throat> and they go to the ER and the guy's like, oh my gosh, we need to make sure it didn't hit any, you know, major arteries or veins. And we need to close this up and sew up your leg. And then the guy starts sewing up the leg and then the, the person who had the wound pushes the doctor away and says no and rips the wound open again. We would look at them and go, what is the matter with you? That's nuts, bro. Don't you want help? This is, how, this is how it heals. And he says, no, I want this to stay open because I don't want to forget how I got this. It's ridiculous, right? But that is exactly what all of us do. Let it go. Forgive that person. Oh, no, no, no. I'm leaving this wound open so I know. I'll never do that again. You're going to have a scar. I know, but I might forget the, the intense hatred and bitterness and brokenness that I feel right at this moment. I don't want it. I don't want you. I don't want anybody to touch it, number one. And I don't want it to close up and heal because I'm going to walk around with this wound forever so I can look at people and be like, this is why I don't do that anymore. This is why I don't trust. This is why I don't give everything I have to somebody else in a relationship. This is why I don't um, connect with my friends. This is why I don't um, uh, trust things that people say to me. This is why. See? And you purposely walk around with a limp or favoring your side or wherever the wound is. Simply because we won't forgive. Unforgiveness is pushing the doctor away and keeping the wound wide open. Because until you forgive, it will not heal. There's not many notes, but one of the, your first notes tonight is this. One of the main steps towards healing is forgiveness. <clears throat> one of the main steps towards healing is forgiveness, so we must prepare our hearts to forgive. Matt, you don't know what they did. You don't know how many years that set me back, what they did to me. You don't know how many people I have pushed away in my life because that happened to me. I can't tell you how many years I never even darkened the door of a church because that happened to me. I can't tell you why I don't engage with my kids or my friends or, my, or, or, or the people that are close to me and my family. You don't have any idea what that's like. I'm not ready to let that go. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 11, he starts listing off things that we refer to as the Beatitudes and the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And before you hold on to the thing you don't want to let go of, I want to point our attention to the things that Jesus says he blesses. Verse 3, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble for they'll inherit the whole earth. 
God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. Do you see what it said? God blesses the merciful. God blesses those who want justice. God blesses those who are show humility. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Notice that it doesn't say God blesses those people who will not forgive because they don't want to forget how they got wounded in the first place. Notice how it doesn't say that God blesses those bitter and hateful people who keep gossiping about the person who hurt them because they want to make sure everybody knows privately what was done to them publicly and they want no one else to trust them. Do you notice that it doesn't say God blesses those who keep a grudge and will not forget for one second what was done because no one's going to do that to them again? Mm -mm. God blesses those who act in mercy with integrity, with a pure heart. And if you're bleeding bitterness, my guess is everything you have is tainted by bitterness. Every viewpoint, every goal, every relationship, every conversation you have can be touched by bitterness because if the wound you had is bleeding bitterness, there's not a spot in your life that's not touching. turns out publicly in the way you talk to other people, the way you address your kids, the way you navigate your relationships, the way you deal with unruly coworkers, the way you wrestle and argue with God when he commands you to do something and you don't want to do it because I did something like that before and it turned out bad. Matt, if I forgive and I let the grudge go, I've carried this a long time. I don't know what's going to happen if I let it go. Um, let me give you Jesus' words again. Mark 11, 22 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Pause right there. I talk to you every once in a while about preacher tricks and this is one of them. You stop here and focus on the, just ask God in faith for whatever it is you want. He's going to give it to you. Organ screams, people shout, the drums get going, people run, 
Hallelujah. You know what I mean? And then the service is over and they take an offering. But as many times as I've heard that in my life, I never heard someone keep reading. But when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Remember when I talked to you about my, at the beginning, my ignorant belief had to be brought to Scripture to be corrected? I didn't really like this one. Before I ask you to do anything in my life, before I ask you to remove an obstacle or a hurdle, before I ask you to put, to, to bless the thing that I'm working on that would benefit everybody in the room or everybody in my family or everybody in my company or whatever it is, before I ask for any of that, before I have faith that you're going to do any of that, first, forgive. Why did you say first? Couldn't he say eventually? When you grow into it? When you feel the time is right? Those would have been perfect for me. But when he says first, man, it just bugs me. Before I ask him to do anything, I got to let somebody off the hook. I, it took me on a little side tangent, this last sentence, so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too, because I was like, wait a minute. My sins are forgiven. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you know, you're, you're saved. You're going to go to heaven. He's not talking about eternal forgiveness. All the commentaries and the language that I, that I dove in to read this, they all point to the other consequences that we and believers experience for sinning. Have you ever sinned after being saved? The proper response is yes to everybody in the room. And what do you do? Dang it, God, man, I'm so sorry. You feel the conviction. You feel the guilt. You feel the being ashamed that you did something stupid or you said something wrong or whatever. God, will you please forgive me? Can you? Why do we go? Our sins are forgiven. Why do we do that? Because we want to be let off the hook for the consequences and the repercussions now that we might face for doing what we just did. We don't want the full weight of the responsibility. We want the ripple effects to, can we just contain it right here? Can it not go out any further? Can we just, God, can you please just not let it be bad? Just, I'm sorry. We're asking him to let us off the hook for the consequences of our actions. When he's saying forgive here, he's saying, will you let the person or people who hurt you off the hook without receiving the consequence you think they deserve. That, that one's hard. I want them to suffer like I suffer. I want them to lose like I lost. I want them to hurt like I hurt. It should, I didn't even do anything wrong and this thing happened to me. I will not engage in some of these relationships because of that. They need to lose as much as I lost. Are you willing to say, not only I forgive them, but not be mad when you see their Facebook status say something good about their life. 
Are you willing to say, doesn't matter what happens in their life anymore going forward. I'm not going to let unforgiveness keep this wound open in me because not forgiving them is really hurting you. Some of you might go, Matt, oh, I did let him go. I'm over it. Long time ago. Yeah, it happened, and I get what you're talking about, and I remember, but yeah, I'm over it. Really. Some of you might be, and that's great. But did you really let it go? Did you pick at the scab a little bit later and reopen the wound? When you get mad and you're by yourself and you feel like your life hasn't unfolded like you wanted to, do you just stick your hand back in there one more time to feel that wound because you want somebody to blame? How do I know, Matt, if I'm bleeding still? Do you bring a tainted, hurt, skewed, wounded attitude, perspective, or perspective to your decisions, your work, or your relationships? And if you do, good chance. It's because of a wound. For those of you who push back and say, oh yeah, I let it go a long time ago, and you really didn't, uh, you're just used to the limp. You're, you're used to bleeding in everything you do, so it doesn't even phase you anymore. Why forgive? The last four things on your notes before we move on with our service, and that's this. It reminds us of several things. I'm only going to look at four. It reminds us that I have sinned against others. It reminds us that I need forgiveness. This next line. And because I've sinned and because I need forgiveness, the next line, I should forgive others. And the fourth line is a truth I don't think we want to really focus on sometimes. My growth and maturity. My growth and maturity are hindered if I refuse to forgive. People who refuse to forgive believe themselves to not be in need of it. But the fact is, you've sinned just as much as I have. I've screwed up just as much as you. I have lived with and carried wounds for years like many of you. But the burden here today for this week and this series is this. There is no point in talking about the steps and all these things we want to go do if you're so wounded you can't even move. 
If you're so wounded, you can't trust. If you're so wounded, you can't believe. If you're so wounded, you can't reach out. If you're so wounded, you can't have a conversation. If you're so wounded, you can't be honest. If you're so wounded, you're just going to stay self-centered. And I purposely put a deep working message at the beginning of the year for us. Because I think it's a key to you fulfilling the thing that God puts in your heart to do. Do you think God's going to elevate somebody who is wrought with bitterness in everything they do? Think he's going to put you in a place to influence others if the only thing that comes out of you is this vile, angry, hatred, venom? No. And as we bring up these hurts, here's now what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Jill and Kobe to come. And now, with that right here, I want us to turn to the Lord in worship.